This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Batbook for beginners, come and join us. It's a podcast about Batman. Chris and Jerry go through the stories, tell you which are good books and bad. Join us on Bat Books for Beginners. We'll give you the straight story. Which Bat Books to get off the spinners? Have a good time with Chris and Jerry. They will talk Bat Family history, favorite characters from the Bat Crew. If you love Batman's adventures, Chris and Jerry will do it for you. Hello, and welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 199. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book Chris and I are covering is... Battle for the Cowl Part 2. But before we get that, Chris, we wanted to point out that this is our 50th episode of Chris and I doing <laughs> Bat Books for Beginners together. And we both wanted to thank everyone for all the support you've given us. Thanks so much. Jerry, I can't believe it's been 50 episodes. You know, for a while, it seems like, you know, we've been doing it a little longer. Uh I I really have been uh, blessed that uh, Dustin asked me to uh, join you with this uh, trek in the podcasting world. I've had a lot of fun with it, and I I think we've both made some friendships that uh, we never ordinarily would have made had it not been for uh, this show. Definitely. And and it's been so much fun uh, doing it and getting to really dig into these bat books with you. It's been just a blast. Uh, likewise. I, I, I can't can't uh, been blessed with another partner who's, who's uh, just really brought out so much to the table and uh, I've learned a lot from. So thank you so much, Jerry. Uh, right back at you, buddy. Thanks. Well, cool. Tell us about Battle for the Cal Part 2, Chris. I will. Thank you so much. Jerry, I, before I get in there... Wh- the, the music for the opening, I, I, I'm trying to place that. What, what, what was that? Sugar Magnolia from the Grateful Dead. Oh. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Oh, very good. Okay. So, Battle for the Cal Part 2, a.k.a. Batman Battle for the Cal Companion, is a 128-page full-color soft-cover trade paperback that was published in November 2009 and had a cover price of fourteen ninety nine. The trade paperback collects the fouling five standalone one-shot specials. Battle for the Cowl, Arkham Asylum, 
Battle for the Cowl, Commissioner Gordon, Battle for the Cowl, Man Bat, <laughs> Battle for the Cowl, The Network, and finally, Battle for the Cowl, The Underground, all of which were cover dated June and July of 2009, and each had a cover price of two ninety nine. Hmm. If you wish to obtain a version of these issues, uh, going for the individuals might be the cheaper route to go. Hmm. Online vendors had the comic books going for at to lower than cover price. Uh, the trade paperback was going for thirteen ninety five on Amazon at the time of this recording. And I confess I've seen the individual issues in 50-cent boxes at big comic book shops in the Midwest area. Hmm. So be savvy and happy hunting. <laughs> Now, to give the creative teams their due, and to be a bit more comprehensive, we'll list them per issue. For Arkham Asylum, we had writer David Hine and art by Jeremy Hahn. For Commissioner Gordon, we had writer Royal McGraw and art by Tom Mandrake. For Madbat, we had writer Joe Harris and art by Jim Calafiore. For the network, we had writer Fabian Netzienza and pencilers Don Kramer and Jim Calafiore. And for the underground, we had writer Chris Yost and art by Pablo Raimondi. I'll go off my memory and some online resources for the background for some of the more unfamiliar names that we haven't mentioned or haven't mentioned recently on this podcast. David Hine is British. He was born in 1956. His notable works include Silent War and Bulletproof Coffin. He's also worked on Spawn. And around this time, he worked on the Brave and Bold title... And a little bit after this, uh, his writing is going to appear in Detective Comics. Jeremy Hahn worked for Image Comics, IDW Publishing, Oni Press, Devil's Due Publishing, Top Cow, and Marvel Comics. Since 2008, he's worked for DC Comics, and he's also worked on the titles Berserker and Battle Him. Uh, Royal McGraw can be found on Twitter, appropriately, at Royal McGraw. He's the executive producer of narrative games, including Choices, Stories You Play. Uh, he's written many comics, including the title Batman Confidential. Hmm. Writer Joe Harris is not to be confused with a basketball player for the Brooklyn Nets. He's done screenplays. He's written Fire of Fur- <laughs> Fury of Firestorm, excuse me, uh, back when it was uh, DC's New 52 a hmm. few years back. And he also did IDW's The X-Files Season 10. Uh, Chris Yost, he's a native of St. Louis, Missouri. He's 45. He's worked as a screenwriter for Marvel Studios' uh, cinematic universe with Thor, The Dark World, and Thor Ragnarok. And as for Pablo Ramande, you can find tons about him, more than I could list here on our podcast, on his website, pabloramande.com. Now, over on Amazon.com, this particular trade has a rating of only two stars out of five, but that's based on just one review. Ah. But over on Goodreads.com, this has a rating of 3.48 stars out of five, based on 384 ratings and 24 reviews. Ah, but the burning question remains. Just what do Jerry and I think of these stories and the trade overall? <laughs> and with that, I shall turn it back over to you, Jerry. Thanks, Chris. So we're going to talk about this story after a few messages from some of our friends. When you talk about comics, does it sound something like this? Look, you can't put the Superman number 77s with the 200s. They haven't even discovered red kryptonite yet. And you uh, you can't put the number 98s with the 300s. Lori the Morris hasn't even been introduced. Or maybe it sounds a little more like this. You think Mighty Mouse could beat up Superman? What are you, cracked? Why not? I saw the other day he was carrying five elephants in one hand. Boy, you don't know nothing. Mighty Mouse is a cartoon. Superman is a real guy. No way a cartoon could beat up a real guy. Yeah, maybe you're right. Would be a good fight, though. Hello, I am the constantly caffeinated Clinton Robison, and my comics discussions can go to both extremes, but generally fall somewhere in between. 
On the Coffee and Comics podcast, I will review comic stories and other comics-related topics that can be enjoyed over a cup of coffee. So pour the coffee, or other beverage of choice, and join me on the Coffee and Comics podcast, available on iTunes and coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com. Welcome back. So here is the story for Battle for the Cal Part 2. Now, as Chris mentioned, these stories are contained in a series of one-shots. And remember, in all of these, Batman is believed to be dead, and Gotham is in the grip of a criminal explosion that's rocking the city. Arkham Asylum. Jeremiah Arkham visits a destroyed Arkham Asylum. He remembers working with all of the villains in the building before the apparent calamity. Poison Ivy, Killer Croc, Clayface, Scarecrow, and more. But deep in the dark heart of Arkham is the solitary confinement area where some of the very special patients reside. Alessio Morandi was an artist whose canvas was his own blank featureless face. As a child in Italy, he had put a mask on his face and affixed it with adhesive. His father angrily pulled it off his face, removing much of the skin. Plastic surgeons could only do so much, and Alessio, now called No-Face, has an emotionless, blank visage. He does paint excellent faces on himself, though. Another special patient is Mirror Man, or Narcissus. He's a man who emerged from the jungle in Haiti with no apparent background. He spends all his time looking at himself in the mirror, muttering in some unknown language. When people talk to him, he uses their words to talk back. Another special patient is Hamburger Lady. She's so ugly that it's rumored that anyone who sees her face goes insane. <laughs> Jeremiah got a look at her mug and remembers that the sight of her opened his eyes to reality. The next day, he goes to his office and finds graffiti on his mirror and a box with the burned remains of the diary of his dead uncle Amadeus Arkham, which Jeremiah had himself burned. The scraps of text that remained encouraged Jeremiah into, quote, see the truth behind the reflection. It directs him to a secret panel behind the mirror, and Jeremiah finds blueprints to a new facility for the insane. Jeremiah vows to build this new Arkham Asylum. Just then, some thugs from the Black Glove organization show up and take over the asylum. They destroy it and free many of the supervillains. Jeremiah is able to find his three special clients and gets an unbroken mirror for Narcissus. He takes them to safety, where No-Face makes himself up to look like Joker. The next story, Commissioner Gordon. Commissioner Gordon is Mr. Freeze's prisoner. We flash back to how that happened. The GCPD is scrambling to take care of all of the escaped Arkham prisoners without Batman. Gordon gets a, patch of, a pack of matches from Harvey Bullock to light a cigarette. They have a sighting of Mr. Freeze in the Hyperborean Industries building. They go there and find him, but he blasts them with an ice gun. Only Gordon is left. Gordon is there with Freeze for several hours and is getting hypothermia. He fights Freeze and uses Bullock's matches to light a gas leak, which blows off the top of a tall Gotham building. Gordon and the GCPD are going to have to take control of Gotham without Batman. The next story is about Man-Bat. Dr. Kurt Langstrom can't help himself from taking the Man-Bat serum. He has a bad dream where he transforms and kills his wife, Francine. He wakes up, but she's gone. There's an oracle signal on her laptop, and she was called into service to protect Gotham from the chaos. Kirk takes the serum and man-bats his way to fight some masked creeps, causing a ruckus. He's just looking for his wife. 
The outsiders show up and confront him. He uses his powerful squeaking abilities to deafen them and escape. He finds his way to the Gotham Power Station, where he finds Dr. Phosphorus. Phosphorus temporarily blinds Kirk and chains him to a chair. Kirk figures a way out and finds Francine in a basement room. Phosphorus threatens them, and Langstrom is able to turn into the Man-Bat without the serum. The two fight. Even though he's burning, Man-Bat hangs on to Phosphorus, and they sploosh into the river. The outsiders recover them. Man-Bat wants to fight, but Francine calms him down. He's upset and leaves them. The next story is The Network. Fake Batmans abound in Gotham City. Catwoman is trying to take out Jason Todd's fake Batman. Oracle is trying to direct members of the Bat family and their imported helpers to help out with some of the chaos on Gotham streets. Dr. Hugo Strange has a secret betting parlor that is taking wagers on things like which hostage is going to be killed first or freed first. He's making the violence in Gotham into a game for the super rich. Huntress and Cassandra Kane Batgirl are stopping an arms shipment. The two have an antagonistic relationship. They find a murderer that's tied up to a chair in the warehouse. If they say save him, Strange says, two other hostages will be killed. If they kill him, two innocents will be released alive. Huntress wants to kill him. Cassandra stops her. Oracle hacks into Strange's computer system and says that all hostages must be freed or the money from the gambling venture will be lost. All the hostages are saved. Hooray! <laughs> and finally, the underground. Penguin doesn't like Black Mask moving in on his Gotham. He goes to Riddler for help finding Black Mask. Riddler takes Har- Harley Quinn along. Catwoman almost takes out Two-Face. Poison Ivy destroys some poisonous chemicals and seems to break from Black Mask. Penguin's car is attacked, but he's saved by Catwoman. They are confronted by Black Mask, who Catwoman thought she had killed. Black Mask takes off. Riddler and Harley visit Holly Robinson, looking for Selina to no avail. Ivy shows up. Harley is happy to see her. Jason Todd Batman attacks Selina, but she doesn't know who he is. She does know that Batman should not be shooting guns like Jason is. She gets thrown off a roof onto the hood of a car. Riddler, Ivy, and Harley find her unconscious. Hmm. <laughs> so Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for this story after these words from some of our friends. Sawate. My name is Stella, and I am the host of Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Backroll to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Backroll for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1988. The goal of Backroll to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Backroll and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and Freedom Fighters, and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spaway, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history and determines whether they are hot or not, Reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, or just me reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't, and of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. I've been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their backroll year one work, Brian Q. Miller on his backroll run, Dwayne Swarzynski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, 
and the creators and actors of the Batgirl Spoiled, the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Find the show online at thebatmanuniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Batgirl to Oracle. Thank you, and fly on, Babs lovers. Welcome back, Chris. All right, what'd you think? Wow, Jerry. Uh, with trades like this, and I've said it before, you know, you you basically sort of get a uh, smorgasbord, a buffet of a little of everything, you know, with the bad cast and the bad family. So I guess uh, I'll, I'll go with uh, some broad brush strokes by the numbers here in the order that we looked at it. Uh, first off, I have to, you know, put this out there for what it's worth. Uh, the Mirror Man in... Uh, Arkham Asylum is is a new incarnation of the character. Shouldn't be confused with a character who was a little bald chap named Floyd Ventress, who Hmm. first appeared in Detective Comics number 213. I think he was the first quote-unquote mirror man that Batman took on. And he had like these little uh, (laughs) uh, square-rimmed glasses, and he would just run around, and he would just... His his shtick was uh, using mirror-related crimes, but he always tried to figure out who Batman was. uh, And that that was was his ultimate goal, was to figure out who Batman was. So I thought he was one of the more interesting villains. I'm not sure, but, you know, a lot of those characters might have wound up on the animated Brave and Bold recently, because I know, I think, uh, the other one, we had a No-Face character, not to be confused with a character called Dr. No-Face, who appeared back on Batman uh, Detective? Excuse me, Detective Number Three Nineteen, hmm. a guy by the name of Doctor Paul Dent, who uh, just had no face, and he was a one and done villain. But again, I think he also popped up on a animated version of that show. Gotcha. That said, th- th- this was sort of like. <laughs> It really had a 90s vibe to me uh, mm. with Arkham Asylum. This was almost, and not in a good way. I, I just thought. Hamburger lady, okay, come on. If you look at her face, you go insane. I mean, what what is this? And wh- how come we've never heard of these characters? Yeah, I think before or since I, I I was just really uh, befuddled at this, almost to the degree of like uh, the seriousness of this. Uh, and it's certainly I I don't want to fault David Hind because I, I I've you know looking at his list of credits, I've know I've read some of his stuff before and I've been impressed with this, but. This almost got to the, be the point where I, I, I just had real issues taking this seriously, almost mm-hmm. to the point of, uh, this, this is one of the stories that gives me comic book fatigue, I think, you know, <laughs> just with how, how, how let's, let's push the envelope to see how dark we can go. Uh, so I, I really had some problems with that one. Versus the commenter, though, when I read the review, uh, on Amazon, this was the guy's, the reviewers, this was his favorite story. And mm-hmm. I, so this is, uh, you know, obviously not for everybody. This w- didn't work for me, but it, it could work for someone else. Sure. Uh, moving along, we had the Commissioner Gordon story with art by Tim, Tom Mandrake, who oh, I had forgotten, uh, which just brought back a lot of nostalgia for me when I was reading his stuff or seeing his stuff in the Batman title in the 80s, which mm-hmm. uh, was really, really nice. You know, And I thought that was one of the more superior ones there with him and uh, Mr. Freeze. The Man Bat story, uh, I didn't have a lot of my notes for that one. I thought Francine was portrayed very well. I liked the look of the Outsiders, but I had a problem uh, recognizing Halo as a member of the team because mm-hmm. she, you know, here she is a, practically a grown woman and she was drawn as such, whereas, you know, back in the day she used to be, you know, the younger uh, member of the team and was drawn mm-hmm. like a teenager. Uh, let's see, we had uh, the network, uh, Fabian Nessienza, Pencils by Don Primer, and Art by Jim Calafuri. I thought this was good. Uh, with respect, I, I sort of like uh, I, I liked it more the art for the art than the story itself, mm. and for the underground, I, it, it was kind of cool just to see all the villains together. But it really didn't quite 
grab me as I thought it would. Yeah. So those were my initial impressions. Jerry, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, um, I, I enjoyed the Arkham story, kind of. So when Jeremiah saw the hamburger lady's face, he says, oh, I didn't go crazy, but the scales had fallen from my eyes. And all of a sudden, you know, he has this experience where he's told about, you know, somehow is told about um, the new plans, the new blueprints for the new Arkham Asylum. So my thinking is he actually does go mad, right? And he's, he's gone crazy and is now going to build the new <laughs> insane asylum, which I thought was kind of interesting. I, I felt in for a lot of these stories actually i felt that they were kind of putting pieces in place for the next era that you know is coming up that these were set up stories right but i'm not sure how much of this pays off later um and i guess we'll find out in subsequent episodes of, of this podcast but i do not recall a lot of these characters coming back so this kind of seemed a little uh, I don't want to say pointless, but, you know, it's not really uh, contributing to the kind of Uber story. I thought I agree, totally agree with you about the Commissioner uh, Gordon story about the art in that. It was really spectacular. And it's good to see the GCPD actually stop relying on Batman. They do seem kind of like in this, in this piece, you know, where, where I never get the fact, the idea that the GCPD is a useless organization, uh, kind of like we see in the TV show, in the Batman 66 TV show, where, you know, Gordon and O'Hara are really pretty useless. Um, we usually don't see that in the comics. Um, but we kind of have been seeing it, that they've been relying on Batman so much uh, that they really are having a hard time getting their act together to do anything on their own. But it's good to see here that they are finally kind of getting the idea that they've got to get it together. Um, for for Man Bat, the Man Bat story, you know, I, I like uh, Man Bat as a character. Uh, I, I do not understand why Francine is leaving uh, her laptop open with Oracle messages <laughs> on her laptop. You know, if I did stuff like that at work, that would be bad. <laughs> um, so it's kind of surprising that she's doing it. Uh, bad computer security um, practices there. And again, not really clear how Langstrom uh, found Francine at the power station. They said something about that he used sonar. I was like, oh, okay, well, that sonar is pretty handy to have, I guess. Um, and in the network, this was kind of interesting. And this is one that I should have really loved. It's got Huntress and uh, Cassandra Kane, And I'm a big Cassandra Kane fan. Uh, and the two of them have an antagonistic relationship. Um, Huntress is very aggressive and, and very kind of in your face. And Cassandra Kane is quieter in general. And she just kind of shrugs it off. But um, really, Huntress is outmatched by Cassandra. Uh, Huntress does not stand a chance against somebody with Cassandra's skills. And uh, Cassandra knows it <laughs> and doesn't, <laughs> doesn't let it bother her. But it, there's a little characterization thing here that I didn't really care for. She seems, Cassandra, seems very articulate. And I know in the past she doesn't really speak that much. And, you know, when she does, she's kind of halting. And here she seems like she speaks in complete sentences and has complex, you know, punctuation. And uh, it just seemed a little off to me. That's a good point, Jerry. I had that in my notes, too, and I just didn't get it out there. But, yeah, I... I, I that took me a little bit out of the story once yeah. I, I saw how articulate and uh, she was. And it's just like nobody can really nail down this character. I you know, know, we sort of get like 
two different versions, one one who's very verbal and one who isn't. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And and I like her kind of, you know, struggling trying to put her language skills together. I think, you know, we've seen that I think on this show we've done uh stories about that. And I really like that about the Cassandra Kane character and I wish they had done it here. Um and in the underground story you know, we see the beginning, the forming of the sirens. And I know they go off to have, um, you know, a, a series of books that I really, really enjoy very much. You know, we see Harley and Ivy and Selena kind of get together and be a team. And I love that team. And here's the origin of it. Here's where they, where they get together. And I should be over the moon. You know, this is the greatest story ever, but uh, it's kind of just a bunch of stuff all pulled together. It just didn't really grab me. And um, uh, that's unfortunate. I feel bad about that. You, you mentioned the artwork with the man, ba- not the man, ba- the uh, Mr. Freeze and Commissioner Gordon yeah. story. Uh, I sort of liked the art that was done in uh, the network story as well. Yep. But other than that, uh, everything else was all... I hate to use the word "quote unquote" serviceable. It yeah. certainly wasn't bad, but it, yeah. nothing really, really stood out uh, yeah. with respect to that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think any of these. You know, I think in our last um, episode of the podcast, we had kind of part one of these stories, and I thought that they were very disjointed and kind of unbalanced. And that's not the case here. These are you, you use the word serviceable. These are solid by the numbers stories, but they just aren't kind of that over-the-top thing that's like, yes, this is great. And they should be, I think. Um, but, you know, that being said, these are not bad stories, just not as good as I had hoped they'd be. Yeah, and I wonder what DC's game plan was back in the day, because yeah. you, you knew this Batman's Return was inevitable, and uh, this is sort of like... Uh, Sort of like a, a bookmark, a little bit of a slog, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're going to get to this uh, end point with uh, Batman's return, and you've got all the city and chaos there. I, I thought the characterizations, by and large, were fine. I, I didn't have an issue with how any uh, characters were portrayed, save for Cassandra. Yeah. Uh, that, that one threw me a little bit, but everybody else seemed to be pretty much on note yeah. uh, which which was good you know with respect to ivy in particular in uh-huh. in the uh, underground story uh freeze was 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 pitch perfect gord was mm-hmm. pitch perfect mm-hmm. uh, uh but beyond that uh, you know all, all these other uh, lower tier bat supporting characters uh, just mm-hmm. really didn't give me enough a different side of them or, or, or something that, you know, kind of really elevated me to, to like them any more than yeah. I had going into this. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So where would you rate this if you were going to put a score to it? Jerry, I was wavering between a two and a half and a three. I, we, I, I know we've certainly looked at worse material on our, on our program, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I just can't, that, that Arkham story just really threw me for a mm-hmm. loop and, and, and to put these new characters out there and never see them again, kind yeah. of, uh, soured me right from the get-go and maybe if the arkham chapter had been in the middle that would have wouldn't have might have changed my score a little bit mm-hmm. uh but at the end of the day I, I i can't really go beyond a two and a half it's it's it was just average uh it's sort of like you know going to like a uh cheap buffet you're gonna get full <laughs> i had my fill <laughs> was the food great Mm. Uh, it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't bad, you know. The the, the you know how can you mess up pudding and uh, Salisbury steak? You know, I mean, 
you know, they had Thousand Island dressing, uh, yeah. <laughs> the salad bar. You know, it was it was all right. You know, uh, nothing there. It was it was it was okay. It was you know, did I did I leave full? Yes, I did. Uh, but um, two and a half or three, I yeah. I, I, you could, I can make an argument for a three, but I'm going to probably say, just say two and a half. Okay. And by no means am I trying to uh, be overcritical, sure. uh, but but I, I just don't think uh, I'm going to remember this. I, I'm trying to remember these stories when they came out. I thought they were okay. I think I liked the network was my favorite, but then upon reading Commissioner Gordon, I, I really liked that one. I, I don't know. I think the Arkham stories just totally fell flat that was my least favorite of the mm. bunch and uh, i'm trying to rate these in order here and uh underground uh, should have liked better but that's yeah second from the bottom yeah. so yeah I, I i'm just gonna settle out of two and a half okay. uh, in my roundabout <laughs> me entering <laughs> with a uh, recollection of, of of what we just looked at so i'm gonna say two and a half out of five mm-hmm. uh it's okay, you know, uh, like I said, you know, I don't know whereabouts people listening can get this, uh, if they if they have any desire to it. Like I said, you know, I, I recently, just by coincidence, they, they I found them in the cheap bins at uh, my local comic shop. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, for what it's worth, you know, you, you get some pretty things, but I, I just don't think there's anything memorable, nor would I say this is a must-read. Sure. I'd bring it in because I'm probably a little higher than you, probably somewhere between a three and a three and a half. Because it has Cassandra Kane and it has the beginning of the sirens, and that's just kind of kind of nostalgic for me. Uh, although that I don't think the implementation is is that great here, so uh, I'll 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 probably skew to a three. Um, it's a mixed bag. They're okay. Um, some ha- there were some good parts. There was some good art here. But nothing really is fantastic. It's just kind of a bunch of stuff. And in, in terms of a must-read or recommend, I would say, you know, there's a lot better things um, to, to choose. And the only reason I would say that this would be a must-read is if you're a big Sirens completist kind of fan. Um, I was happy to see them get together, even if it wasn't the most amazing thing. So... That sounds like uh, we're not too far apart on these. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, like I said, we we've looked at worse things on our show, but yeah, uh, this yeah, was sure. this was sort of a, just an odd mixed bag. Yep, it sure was. Well, that's great. So now, uh, folks out there, you should know that uh, this is not the only podcast we do. Uh, Chris, which you can find at BTO and Bat Books on Twitter, he reviews Batman Adventures on Batgirl to Oracle, uh, as well as some other stuff over there. Yeah, thanks so much, Jerry. I've been very fortunate to uh, have a little bit of time on Stella's show to talk what I want to, uh, about what I want. And I'm reviewing the Batman Adventures book, which That's I think great. are some overlooked stories that I thought were really, really excellent back in the day. And these were uh, from the early 90s, based on the animated series that was airing at the time. And I thought this was a really great run, and I think those were overlooked. So I'm, I'm really examining, having fun examining those titles. Uh, I've got a segment within a segment called Nightwatch, where I look at the current events in the Nightwing title, but I'm doing it from a shipper perspective. So those are really short uh, thoughts uh, real quick just to see if there's anything with respect to a shipper alert going on there. And I also want to mention a uh, other podcast that I can be found on. A new episode uh, has been recorded. Uh, It's going to be released soon. It's uh, Trust Your Cape. Uh And the feed for that is 
uh, on the gal walks into a comic show, and, cop <laughs> shop, excuse me, and we're having a lot of fun with that. We're doing a live role playing game, and you can follow Ooh. the events going on on Twitter at Trust Your Cape. So give it a try. I hope you like it. And now Jerry, Ooh. two of my favorite characters in the Batman universe mm-hmm. are Batgirl and Catwoman. And so so many things going on with respect to those titles. Yeah. I know uh, Barbara's uh, ramping up to um, perhaps uh, making a run uh, to be running for Congress. Mm-hmm. And Catwoman, uh, I think uh, she's meeting the Penguin. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I really, I would really dig your take on these books and. It, I can see it in print. You do these reviews for the Batman Universe. Is, am I correct? You sure are. Over in the BatmanUniverse.net, I do the reviews for Batgirl and Catwoman. And these are two books that are, I think, are terrific right now, uh, going through a very good period. And I really recommend the folks go and check those two books out. Um, you know, uh, Batgirl is just being taken to a to a very interesting place it's kind of um looking into her relationship uh, with her father with commissioner gordon and i think it's fascinating and catwoman is you know selena's trying to take care of her sister uh who's in a kind of a mental institution and uh she's running into trouble every step of the way so both of these books are are really terrific and i recommend the folks be picking them both up you can also find me on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Professor Frenzy. And I tweet my weekly comics and talk about them. And uh, a lot of them, we do a lot of talking about indie comics. And uh, tweet about Dark Shadows. And we also, Chris and I, both live tweet horror movies at the hashtag Svengoolie at 8 o'clock on Saturday night. So go and check that out. That's a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we had a great lot of fun at the time recording this last uh, last night. We saw a great, great movie that I had never seen before, and I totally enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Werewolf. Yeah, by by uh, Columbia, I and know. I had no idea this movie existed. Never heard of it before. Uh, and I think the year on this one was uh, 1956. Yes. And uh, just uh, I, I got to confess, I really didn't recognize anybody in the cast per nope. se. But this was a really, really great spin on the werewolf character. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it myself. It was a big surprise. I. I was expecting it to be a terrible movie and just kind of make fun of it, but it was really good. So yeah, really artsy. The direction was really, really good in this. Yep. Uh, with the, with some of the shots, had a really uh, noir feel to it in places. Yep, agreed. Uh, and folks uh, shouldn't forget to check Chris and I out on the Professor Frenzy show. So by the time this episode is aired, there's like I guess 39 episodes of the Professor Frenzy show, and that's where Chris and I talk about indie comics and some other pop culture topics. And that's been really a lot of fun. There's a lot of great indie comics out there, and so go and uh, check that show out. You can find it by searching on iTunes for the Professor Frenzy show. Jerry, you know, hey, guess what? I uh I opened the mailbag and we got a uh, comment from our good friend Ian Miller Ooh. at uh, IBM Miller on Twitter. And I got to give Ian a shout out because he's yeah. done an outstanding job with all his contributions on the Batman Universe yep. and on the uh, Batman Universe Comics podcast. So I, good. I, I just. Uh, so informative and uh, excellent opinion and analysis. And he wrote us uh, with our respect to our last podcast. We t- took a look at the f- first part of Batman Battle for the Cowl and his comments go as the following. Gentlemen, excellent analysis. This crossover was plagued by really weird characterization, and though I enjoyed the Gotham Gazette issues more, they were too fragmented to be really excellent. And here, here, Ian, yeah, I, 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 I said, yeah, there, there was some really weird characterizations with some of these characters on, on that one, and uh, just 
just a real mixed bag uh, with <laughs> with that. And I, I'm trying to think: did I did I enjoy the Gotham Gazette issues more? Well, for me, it was about the same a mm. little bit um, with with, uh, with the metal main character uh, just not being utilized as I as I thought she could be. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was sort of an overall jumble. Yep. Yeah. Yep, agreed. Agreed. Okay. Well, thank you for writing in. And if you'd like to leave us any comments, you can do so on the TBU website, or you can uh, comment via Twitter mm-hmm. uh, with the, you know, just look for uh, Bat Books for Beginners and the, with the current issue on the Batman Universe feed, you can drop us a line there. Uh, you'll have more space if you, if you go over to the direct uh, feed, though, on the uh, Batman Universe homepage, and yes. you can write your comments there. And by all means, you can certainly reach out to Jerry on Twitter at Professor Frenzy or myself at BT on Bat Books, and we, we're very fortunate to get any feedback we get. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. And for the past episode, we got likes and retweets on Twitter from the following. Mm. Selling Out Show at Selling Out Show. Hey, that's a show about the world we live in, hosted by a couple of guys who screw up at every turn. <laughs> One of them is our good friend Dave at Lava Hog. At Lava Hog. And fine, fine show. Yeah. And I, I don't think you screw up at every turn, guys. You know, but it's always self-deprecating, but it's a fun show. And I really enjoy it. Hey, we heard from good old friend Jody Yearden at Regal oh. Fan. Adjacent Culture at Adjacent Culture. Uh-huh. We heard from our good friends Trekker Talk Ooh. at Trekker Talk. Now, that's a fan podcast devoted to the adventures of sci-fi bounty hunter Mercy Sinclair Ooh. from the Trekker comics by Ron Randall. And it's from our good friends Darren Naruth, and they're part of the Rad Adventures Network. Yep. We heard from Robin Stevens at Robin031 Robin. Again, we heard from Ooh. Lava Hog at Lava Hog. That's our good friend Dave. We heard from Warlord Worlds at Warlord Worlds. That's a fan podcast devoted to the comic creations of writer and artist Mike Grell, Mm -hmm. including the Warlord, John Sable, and Green Arrow. And that's also a part of the Red Adventures Network. We heard from Tyler Batstone at Batstone Tyler. Thank you very much. We heard from our good friends Longbox Crusade at Longbox Crusade. We heard from Justice's First Dawn at Classic JLA, longtime nice. fan and follower of our show. Thank you so much. Yes. We heard from Gal Walks Into a Comic Shop at Ooh. Gal Walks. Oh, love the show. Uh, hosted by our good friends Bob and Barbara. Bob knows comics. Barbara's g- getting there. She's she's <laughs> getting more acclimated. Uh, each and every issue has been a treat. I uh, yeah. can't see w- w- <laughs> what they're doing next. Uh, fun, fun stuff. Uh, and uh, they just uh, interviewed uh, Jeff Ruffy at Gunning for Hits, and that was a really fine, good. fine interview. Uh, great episode. Uh, check it out if you haven't heard that one yet. Now, we heard from also Bill Beer at Gotham Night 13. He's the host and creator of the Bad Pod podcast. Now, speaking of that, you can find them on Twitter at the Bad Pod, at Pod Bat. Now, their most recent episode uh, at the Bad Pod, uh, Bob and Barbara uh, did a little bit there where they were the voices of the racer and the Catwoman, and they just did a fantastic job. So be sure to check that one out. I, I, I thought they were outstanding. Terrific. And we heard from the Batman Universe at Batman Universe. That's our website, reporting news and content, including podcasts, comics reviews, and media related to Batman Universe. So be sure to check out our home site. Thank you so much. Now, if I overlook you, which there is a distinct possibility I did, my apologies. But let me know on Twitter at BTOMBatBooks or Jerry No at Professor Frenzy, and we'll be sure to mention you on our next show. Thank you very much. Thanks, everyone. And that's all we have for today. Please join us next time where Chris and I will continue our coverage of Batman Reborn. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And thank you for listening to Bat Books for Beginners. (laughs) 
Batbook for Beginners, come and join us. It's a podcast about Batman. Chris and Jerry go through the stories, tell you which are good books and bad. Join us on Bat Books for Beginners. We'll give you the straight story. Which Bat Books to get off the spinners? Have a good time with Chris and Jerry. They will talk Bat Family history, favorite characters from the Bat Crew. If you love Batman's adventures, Chris and Jerry will do it for you.